Do you think people don't read anymore? Think again. In fact, the higher your net worth, the more likely you are to read compared to someone who's living on a middle income. But it's not as simple as putting more words on your website. You've got to hook the reader and then tell a great story that leaves them wanting more. In this episode, you'll learn the differences between content copywriting and conversion copywriting, how to hook your reader from the very beginning, why your ideal client needs you to go negative, how our copy clients get 70% more site visitors to their contact pages, and also resources for getting high converting copy on your site as soon as possible. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. When I was in high school, I focused on all the important things in life. Sports. I mean, that was the biggest thing for me. It took up all of my free time. I played soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring, baseball in the summer, and then it was right back to soccer in the fall. When I wasn't playing soccer, basketball, baseball, I was hanging out with my girlfriend. Romantic life was super important too. But to be honest, most of the things I spent my time on, I can't talk about for fear of self-incrimination or that my parents won't sleep at night knowing I did certain things if they're listening to this particular episode of the podcast. What I didn't do was focus a bunch on school. I did the bare minimum to get by. I mean, the bare minimum. I showed up, I paid attention in class, I completed the homework most of the time, took the tests, and it it worked. I got really good grades, I made the honor roll, and I paid for most of college tuition with academic scholarships. But the one thing that I didn't do when I was in school was read, literally. I can't remember reading a complete book for any of my classes, including English. Then I hit college. And it was a wake-up call. I tried the same strategies that I used in high school. I mean, they had worked so well, right? But I failed miserably. Literally. I failed two classes my first semester. I was put on academic probation. I was at risk of losing my scholarships. So I took a leave of absence. I needed to get my act together. A buddy of mine asked me if I wanted to go to Europe. I was like, sure, let's do it. He said, I want to go for several months. I said, Okay, that sounds great. He said, I want to go on a bike. I thought, okay, this is, this is doable. Let's do it. And so I spent several months not going to school, but instead going to the Olive Garden, where I pulled double shifts pretty much every day for about eight months. I needed to make some money. I had to buy the bike. I had to buy the paneers. I had to buy the gear. But I also had to learn about where I was going. I wanted to immerse myself in everything that I was doing while I was there. And so how did I do that? And this is pre-internet. This is 1998. Well, I fell in love with reading. So on this four-month trip to Europe, I wanted to make it worth my time. I dug into the history. And then other things caught my attention, especially anything written by people who lived overseas. 
American expats like Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald. I found that there were shows that I was watching on TV because I was at home and broke and trying to save all my money and I wasn't going out with friends. So I watched interesting shows on TV. Stuff like Cosmos by Carl Sagan and then I read his books. And what I discovered was that I actually did love learning. I just didn't love learning what I was getting in the classes that I was taking in school. So I go on this trip, fabulous trip. I'll tell you more about it some other episode. But when I got back to college, I realized that I needed to make sure that I was focusing on the things that interested me. So I shifted majors from business leadership. At the time, I wanted to be a consultant. (laughs) Funny how things come full circle. But at the time, I had no interest in being a consultant. I didn't have any interest in business. I wanted to read and I wanted to read about history. So I changed my major first to English and then I added on history. Now, fast forward a couple years, my senior year, I got a job interning at the publication that did Alaska Airlines and Horizon Air magazines. You know, those magazines that you have on the in-flights services for wherever it is that you're going, you pick up that magazine. I, I was an editorial intern, an assistant, a writer for a year. It was fun. It was great. I loved it. And I thought, you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to travel the world, you know, not necessarily on a bike, but just travel. And I wanted to write for magazines. That was my dream. For my graduation gift, my family got me a camera and I thought I could combine photography with it. I was going to be a travel writer, travel photographer. Maybe I'd do some work for National Geographic. But after a year in the real world, editing, writing, traveling, it, I mean, peanuts. Like my first job after college, $7.50 an hour editing and writing for magazines. That wasn't going to cut it. So I decided to get a real job and I wanted to be a teacher, a professor of medieval Spanish history. That also is for a different episode. So instead, because teaching required too much school, too much money, too much time, I decided to get into the world of hospitality. It's what I knew, restaurants, and then eventually hotels and events. And now I still read. I read a lot, usually between 30 to 40 books a year. During the pandemic, I got in a competition with my sister, who's also a big reader, and I think I clocked in at like 52, 53, basically a book a week. And I read a lot because I'll never forget what Matt Damon said in Goodwill Hunting. He was joking around about his Harvard friends, and he said you get a Harvard education for 25 bucks and overdue library fees or something like that. And it's so true. There's so much information out there. There's so much that can be picked up and learned in books. And my point in telling this story is not that I want you to be a reader, but I want to bust a myth that's out there in the wedding world. And here's this myth. People don't read anymore. People do read. And not just me. People do read. They just don't read bad writing or boring writing. And let's be honest, unless you are a professionally trained writer, it's pretty hard to write really, really well. And getting an A in creative writing in high school or college, that doesn't count. That's not professional. That's not trained. People do read, but they won't read things that don't interest them. Look at me back in high school, early college. Not a single book. Then I found something that interested me, and I couldn't stop. I wanted to learn. I wanted to know everything about that thing. 
I changed my major essentially to reading. I read a hundred plus books in college to graduate, but I also read in my spare time and I still read. Here's something else that I read. I read that the average American reads about 12 books a year. That's the average American. Here's the thing that I really want you to remember from this story, from this episode. The average wealthy American reads almost three times that much. 32 books per year. 32 books per year. More money, more time spent reading. I got this information from a chapter in the No BS Marketing to the Affluent book by Dan Kennedy. And in it, he writes something else that totally stuck in my head. I'll never forget this. Poor people have big TVs. Rich people have big libraries. Poor people have big TVs. Rich people have big libraries. Why? Because they spend their time reading, learning. They're curious about the world. They don't just want to be entertained. They want to be informed. So if you're trying to book higher paying clients, I hope you keep this in mind. People do read, especially those who have wealth. So first things first, if you're not a trained copywriter, don't write the copy for your site. Yes, we offer copywriting services, but wearing my business owner's hat, my business coach's hat, I would always recommend that you find a professional to work on the most important aspects of your business. Think about it. Just because you have a keyboard doesn't mean you can kill it with your copy. Imagine that I had camera gear. Imagine you're a videographer or photographer and you have all this gear, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars worth of gear, and you gave it to me or one of our copywriters that we have on our team. Do you think that we could photograph or video and create an amazing album or film for your clients? Just because we had the gear doesn't mean we can do it. Just because you have a keyboard doesn't mean that you can write the copy. Now imagine you have the knots checklist. Does that mean that you could plan your own wedding? No. Could your sister plan a great wedding? No. Could your brother? No. Your best friend? No. A wedding planner plans a great wedding. Same thing. If I gave you a box of flowers from the wholesaler, do you think that you could design a professional floral arrangement that's beautiful? Or if I gave you a calligraphy set, could you handwrite amazing signs? Or plug in your playlist from Spotify or Apple Music, get a kick-ass speaker set up. That doesn't make you a DJ. Typing the words on your website does not make you a skilled or successful copywriter. Number two thing that I want you to remember. It's important to know that all writers are not trained the same, nor do they have the same skill sets. And this I didn't actually know until a few years ago when we started looking for programs that we could use to get trained in copywriting. Katie and I both have writing backgrounds. She has a degree in journalism. I have a degree in writing. I wrote for magazines professionally for a little while. I, I do a ton of writing and work. So did she. But we needed to get trained. And so we went out and we looked for these different programs that you can get trained in. And what we found is that there are different types of writers out there. And this makes total sense. I mean, poets don't often write novels. Novelists don't usually do magazine articles. Journalists don't write direct response copy for advertisements. Bloggers don't necessarily know how to write website copy. Writers are very specialized, just like lawyers. For example, our team uses a specific approach known as conversion copywriting. This is what we decided to settle on. It's based on the same psychological principles that I use to help wedding pros get better at sales work. It was kind of serendipitous that we found this. It's perfectly aligned. It's just an extension of the buyer's journey. We just went upstream. We apply the same psychological principles that I've learned in the behavioral economics world. And now we translate those not just to the sales process, but also further upstream to the buyer's journey when you're on your website. 
We've received training on it. We've added in our own special sauce. And we've done it now for over 125 websites in the wedding industry. So let's get back to one of the things that I said. People don't read bad writing. I talked about that a few minutes ago, but they also don't read boring writing. So what makes your website interesting? Because this is what a great copywriter will do that'll set your site apart from all the rest that are written just for creativity or content. Conversion copywriting is different than creative writing or content copywriting. The big and the third takeaway is that you've got to create a story for your readers to follow. This is what conversion copywriting does. Humans love to hear stories. We humans want transformation, not information. We want transformation, not information. But when we do get information from stories, we remember it over 20 times better than when it's shared as bullet points or in a list. 20 times better. That's why I start nearly every podcast episode with a story. I'm telling a story because I want you to remember the information. And I'm not just telling any story. On this episode, I could have told any number of them from my life, from high school or college or even my early career, but I chose this story with these talking points because maybe you found yourself in it. Maybe you didn't, or maybe you don't still like to read. Or maybe like me, you didn't when you were younger, but now you do. Or maybe you want to sell higher-priced clients. And so you now realize that they also love to read. Whatever the case, I'm trying to get you to identify with one of two things. Either you being the hero of the story or the conflict that the hero runs into. If you want to create a website that your readers pay attention to, you have to hook your ideal client with their biggest unmet desire or their biggest concern. And then you have to show how you solve it with your services. You have to show that there is a conflict, that there is a gap between where they are and where they want to be. That is either the unmet desire or the concern that they have, the doubt, fear, anxiety, whatever it may be. I'm going to say that again one more time. You have to hook your ideal client with their biggest unmet desire or their biggest concern. And then you have to show how you solve it with your services. If you're not doing that on your site, no one's reading past the first page and your pricing. I recently went through a site from a client who inquired because he wasn't getting enough leads. I get this quite a bit. Hey, I want to book more. And I'm always trying to figure out, okay, what are we talking about? Do we need to get more interest in your site? Do we need to get more people from your site to your inbox? Do we need to get more people from your inbox into your bank account? So I went in trying to diagnose what was going on. And one of the things that I wanted to look at, because it was either option one or option two, either more interest in the website or, or the website wasn't doing its job. And so I looked at the analytics and I went into the Google account and let's say he's a planner and he had a bounce rate about the same as our client's benchmarks. So benchmarks are averages or norms for your industry or whatever it is that you're doing. And you, you know those and you can then compare what it is that you're doing and where your performance meets, right? So I'm going through these analytics and I'm checking out, okay, where does he stand compared to benchmarks that we know and looking at our own client sites. Here's the thing. The total time on a site was half of the benchmarks that we have for our clients. Half. But more importantly, people weren't getting through from the homepage to the contact page. His contact page wasn't getting the traffic. Our clients, the benchmarks that we have, 
70% more visitors going all the way through to the contact page. Same pages, different content, different process. This is the conversion process. Now, you can only imagine how many more inquiries are out there for you with more of the right copy on your site. Here's a bonus myth for us to bust. Couples don't want to hear about negative things. This is the fourth big takeaway that I have for you on this one. Couples don't want to hear about negative things. I hear this all the time. Don't go negative. Don't talk about pain points. They don't want to feel that pain. They don't want to feel stress, pressure, doubts, fears, anxieties. So why bring them up? But here's the thing. It's not so much about something that's negative in the sense that it's going to hurt them. It could be just negative in the sense that they don't yet have it. Because they do have desires. And those desires are unmet. That's why they're reaching out to you. There's a gap between where they are and where they want to be. And that gap, the distance between where they are and where they want to be, those are your services. The distance between where they are and where they want to be is filled by your services. And the more you do for the client, the more services you offer, the more value you bring. The more value you bring, the more you can charge. That's how you raise your rates. So widen that gap. Tell them you get where they are. In fact, tell them you know it better than they do. Tell them you know the surface level needs that they have, but you also know the deeper psychological needs too. And when you reflect back to them what they felt, they felt inside, in their heart, in their gut, but maybe not in their head, and they couldn't articulate it, they felt this psychological need. And when you can get them to express that because you asked the right questions or because you pointed out in the copy on your site or in the correspondence or in your proposal, that's when they realize that they're the hero of the story that you're telling them. So the conflict is there, what's missing, what obstacles they have to overcome. And then they realize, oh, this is my story. This is my conflict. This is my unmet desire. This is my deep psychological need. Now that I know about it, I got I to gotta get to the end. And that's when they reach out to you because they want to know how their story ends. You've guided people through. The proof is in your portfolio. It's in the reviews. So if you're interested in learning more about how this whole process works, please reach out. We spend 20 to 30 hours digging into your buyer's biggest psychological desires before we ever write a single word of copy. That's a lot of time spent researching. And we've done this for over 125 clients. Count my sales coaching clients, 200 plus clients we've done this with. We know what your buyer's biggest desires are. And we know what questions to ask for yours specifically. So click the link in the show notes or reach out to sam at idactionconsulting.com. I'd love to share how our approach gets such incredible results for our copywriting clients. And if you're not sure if you need a copy refresh or overhaul, still reach out. If you don't know if your story is being told, if your, your clients are going to connect with your messages or any other part of your website that needs help, let us know. We do comprehensive website reviews. They're under $200. And we'll tell you not just what needs to be improved on your site, but also list out how you can fix them immediately. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. 
I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through.